Abby. And I'm Georgie. Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity and its influence on life. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. This This is is Creative Clinks. So welcome to episode three of Creative Clinks. And today we have a very special guest with us, which is Eamon Barnes from the South Fremantle Brewing. Hi, Eamon. Welcome. Hey, how are you? (laughs) How's it over in the uh, west side? Pretty good. It's nice. Sun's shining. Just seems to be an endless summer for us over here. It's pretty good. Or what, what was it? West, west of the rest? Or <laughs> I think that was what we got called over the last two years. Every time I hear west side, east side, like I think of like Tupac. Is it Tupac? Yeah. <laughs> so was, was it Tupac is east side? No, Tupac's west side from California. Is that right? And then like I'm, Biggie I'm gonna, was I'm from... I'm an old punk. I've got no idea about wrong genre. Music. Okay, no, I will find that out because that's me. Like I'm a hip hop girl, but I should know that anyway. All yeah. that comes to mind for me is like West Side Story. So isn't that like a parody on like Romeo and Juliet? That's all I really think of. This is so completely off topic already. Okay, so today we're talking to Eamon about his business, which you're a co-founder of. There's five of you. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's five of us own the brand. Great. Do you want to tell us how it all got started? We all started off as a bunch of homebrewers to various degrees. So yeah, probably a couple of the guys started off like when it was back in university days when you're trying to save a bit of money and you'd go, I'm going to go and brew beer, you know, because it's why, you know. Save the trips for Uncle Dan's. Yeah, yeah, basically. But do, just kind of, you know, everyone everyone who gets into homebrewing thinks that it's it's going to be cheaper for them. But it's one of those just like absolute money pits. You go, you go and you buy like a small piece of equipment and you go, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do like, um, you know, like kits and, you know, those sort of things. And, um, you know, then after you, you do you do one good beer and then you go, I'm going to go and make something else. So, you know, I'm going to go and buy something else. So then you're buying a fridge and then you're, they're upscaling things and you just start spending more and more money on equipment. So probably about six years ago, I think it was now, we just sort of six or seven years ago, started growing from just sort of like brewing, brewing our own beer to then it was like brewing for house parties and went from like, you know, one keg for a house party to then suddenly turning around and doing uh, like warehouse raves and like fundraisers and things like that. So we sort of ended up like a big group of mates just piling all of our equipment together, just going, oh, hey, let's just learn from each other as much as we could. And one of the one of the things that happens when you homebrew as well is that you once you start getting like a lot more equipment, you start brewing more beer, but then you have a shit beer then you've got 50 litres of beer in a fridge that sucks. <laughs> You can't drink it, because, and and so then you and then you don't want to go and then just like brew something else. So we ended up basically forming a co-op. There was about ten of us, where the idea was that we'd just sort of meet up on a Friday, hang out, drink beers, brew beer, um, and then divide sort of fifty liters of beer between us. And that way we we're sort of like rotating through it a little bit quicker. We ended up just after a few, all right, maybe a year or something of doing that, then just deciding to put beer into a couple of competitions as um just try and get some feedback. First competition we put put a beer into, we actually ended up winning it. We didn't think we were going to. None of us even went to the awards part of it. Like they actually rang us up. We were all down at the pub. We just thought we were going to get like a certificate that said, "I, oh, you know, good effort, guys." Like, Participation award. Good on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Here's your feedback, kind of thing. And sort of, we're all at the pub, and um, one of the guys' phones ring, and he was just like, "Oh, who's that?" And I just hung up. It was like Friday afternoon or something. And then one of the other guys, his phone starts ringing. He's like, "Wasn't that the same number that was ringing you? Better answer it's the answer." And I was like, "Are you guys coming to this award thing?" You're like, "Oh." I don't know why. And they're like, oh, you've just won it. You better get down here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that happened. And then we, yeah, we basically took, we just had this one beer that we kind of like 
nailed that everyone was sort of requesting for like house parties and so then we put that into another comp uh won that one around that time as well too because we were doing sort of like heaps of house parties and sort of raves and a couple of fundraisers and things people have sort of said like oh you guys should do this and get some beer on the market and sort of yeah that that was originally what spawned the idea was us trying to figure out what to do and how to do it being the fact that none of us worked in the beer industry. This became a bit of a passion project to start with was what was like, yeah, what do we need to do? Where do we start? One of the one of the things that we did want to do right from the very beginning was was do as much of it as we possibly could ourselves so that we could learn it. None of us had sales experience. So going in for like your first sales meeting with like a, a venue who was like, Hello, do you uh do you wanna buy a beer? <laughs> Yeah, that sort of thing. You're thirsty, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously being open to the fact that you're just going to make some huge mistakes along the way and, and just do dumb things, but kind of just be really open and sort of honest and learn something new. That was probably the biggest thing. We're probably all in that position where we're sort of early 30s, so we're all pretty settled in our lives. You know, gone to uni, got degrees. Yeah, had careers and it was kind of like, all right, what's what's next? Like we sort of said to each other, if it falls to bits, we might have learned something new that we didn't know beforehand. So that was it. <laughs> and what was your degree in, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I've actually got I got two trades. Um, I'm a stonemason by trade, and then yeah, I worked as I was a landscaper as well. That's kind of it. Sort of one of those annoying people that uh, still doesn't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've worked yeah landscaping and stonemason. Had a stonemasonry business for a few years, and then yeah, I've worked as a worked in the mining industry as a lab technician. My day job now. So yeah, I. One, one thing I do need to say about this is we all do still currently have our day jobs. So it is purely a oh, wow. side project. So we all work full time. Yeah, it's so my day job. I work in hospitals uh, doing clean room validation. So certifying operating theatres and uh, pharmaceutical production facilities and things like that. But yeah. Yeah, groovy. And do you think that it's still going to be like a main goal that the brewery will become your more full time or you're just really happy with that kind of balance you have at the moment? No, I hate it. <laughs> 100%. 100% want the brewery to be a full-time gig. No, it's um, it's pretty challenging switching between the two, but the the you know, there's a number of things about sort of wanting to start the brewery that are more appealing, obviously, than having a full-time job, <laughs> going back to working for myself and all that sort of stuff. You've got a work-life balance where the year industry hours are a little bit different to sort of like a strict sort of nine to five. You know, now that we've got kids and things like that, we sort of think that hopefully work-life balance will be a bit easier once you're working near home. <laughs> Can ride my bike to work. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Pedal power. Yeah, 100%. And did any of the other guys come from any kind of industry that might have felt a little bit relevant to getting into beer? Nah. So, of the five of us, we got an accountant, process engineer. What does Maddie do? Maddie's a uh, project manager for like a land care group. And then got another guy that's a maintenance planner. Different, unusual. Yeah, yeah. So, but the thing, the thing was, we've all, we've all been mates for a few years. We kind of, I, I guess when we, when we look at it, when we first started, everyone's just jumping on top of each other and sort of, you know, doing bits and pieces like I'll do that and I'll do this. Um, as time's gone on, we've actually kind of like gravitated towards like five sort of separate like roles, which actually build the structure of how the brand operates. So, you know, we've got a guy that looks after the production side of it, another guy that looks after sort of like our logistics, like daily operation, branding, marketing, all that sort of stuff. So we've actually divided and it was just some kind of things that we're all gravitated towards over time. 
Um, and we realized that we did have aspects of our daily lives that coincided with what we were doing within the brand anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't something that like, yeah, we set out to do. We just sort of was just like this horrible monster. We're all just grabbing stuff on top of each other. We just had all these different WhatsApp chats and, you know, you do this and can you do this? And and, and then, yeah, like one guy would be sort of organizing like a, I don't know, like a tasting event or something. And then another guy would be doing this, but then he'd be then ringing me and asking me for info and I'd be like, well, why don't I just do it for you? And um, yeah, that sort of thing. So yeah, so then we just kind of settled out over time and I think it operates pretty smoothly at the minute. So do you finally have a sales guy now? Uh, we do actually, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we've got, well, basically the stage right now is we're about to put the brand out and start capital raising, sort of our first step to build a brewery. Doing it as a side project, you're really inconsistent and pretty flaky. <laughs> it appears that you're flaky. Yeah. You know, the amount of sales meetings I've had to cancel just because of, you know, got held back at work and things like that or working in hospitals would be like a breakdown or something that I've got to go and do and, you know, quickly making a few phone calls. Sorry, I know we've had this sales meeting booked in for a month, but I can't make it. And yeah, that sort of stuff makes it really hard. So we've got, um, yeah, we've got a, got a sales rep part-time at the minute, just sort of giving us, well, we've got two that are part-time and then, yeah, just giving us a bit of a bit of chance to sort of, they can sell beer while we try and sort the rest of the stuff out at the minute. So do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on like the creative process of crafting beer? Yeah, definitely. We're going to start. The main way that we operate, so what we've got in our brand is, actually that's a really interesting point is sort of describing ourselves as a brewery as opposed to a brand because we don't own a brewery at the minute. <laughs> so that's, okay, yep, true. That's, one of, okay. that's one of those things that, um, yeah, trying to define yourself. So we try to, you know, try to say things like a beer company or, you know, those sort, that sort of stuff. So in regards to designing the actual physical beer, we've got a core range of three beers. So we've got Session Ale, Pale Ale and a Dark Lager. Basically, the Session Ale was our first beer that we ever brought out. That was the one that we sort of released the brand, launched the brand with. That was actually a bit of an accident, that beer. So going back to the days when we were saying that, when I was saying that we used to, you know, homebrew and that was essentially the beer that we won those couple of competitions with. But when we did it, we did it on a Friday afternoon, you know, beautiful, hot summer's day. A um, couple of us sort of nicked off, went to the beach for a swim, came back drank way too much beer, forgot what we were doing. No one was paying attention to it. Kind of had this moment where I was like, oh, do we just ditch it? We don't know. We can't remember what we've done. Like we've made a few mistakes, didn't hit temperatures and things like that. And um, luckily one of the guys is really fastidious when it comes to like writing documents and keeping notes. Uh, so we ended up persisting with that beer yeah when it was sort of fermented a few weeks later like this is actually brilliant so it was meant to be a, it was meant to be come out a higher abv uh ipa we used the wrong grain in it and ended up being like a low abv red ale as opposed to high abv ipa that we we're going for so yeah when we, when we brought that beer out we basically just like fixed that recipe up a little bit and tightened it up in regards to then the other three beers or the other two beers in our core range it was a process basically of just deciding what fit best in terms of seasonal all year round. The idea of a core range is that it's available all year round. Next beer we brought out was our pale ale. Everyone needs a pale ale. We're from Fremantle. Probably the beer that launched craft beer for everybody is Little Creatures Pale Ale. It's the one that everybody thinks of. Little Creatures is a couple of hundred meters away from us, um, just down the road. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, know quite a lot of their, you know, know most of the staff and they've, they've actually been pretty good in terms of like, yeah, we've had to ring them before and borrow kegs off them and they're just like, yeah, come down and grab them. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, that's 
awesome. So that was kind of the idea of the pale was this like, you know, that was a gateway beer for everybody. We just sat down and just flavor profiled it. What do we want? We want something that's like approachable, easy. You know, think of kind of coming home, hot day at work, cracking, grabbing beer, just jumping in the pool with it or, you know, mowing the lawn or, you know, it's kind of the idea of that was the, the everything beer. So we sort of run with the slogan that it's like, you know, equally at home as you know, drinking it after work or like pulling it out of a, you know, a bathtub esky at a house party sort of kind of thing. Yep. So, and then, yeah, then we got our dark lager. So the dark lagers, our all year dark beer is basically what we call it. So in terms of like looking at a range, um, you want to have something that's like, you know, a go-to beer, a mid-strength beer, and then something dark is what we looked at it. So we didn't want to go down that traditional route road of doing sort of like, you know, a stout that people only drink in winter or porter or something like that. So we developed our dark lager, which is based on a German Schwarz beer. And then we just sort of modified the, the rest, like the idea of it a little bit. So it was a bit um, less bitterness, uh, a bit less of like the coffee roasted malt. So it's more appropriate and fits the bill of being able to drink it all year. You know, you can still drink it in summer when it's 40 degree day as easily as you can drink it when it's winter and five degrees outside. So that was the idea behind that. And it was basically yeah. just sort of spreading what we're trying to, I don't know, spread, spreading, what's the word? Spreading the love? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really love the way when you're describing, you know, like whether you can have a beer while you're um, mowing the lawn or you, you know, jumping in the pool. That's kind of almost exactly like very similar kind of ways that I guess with Georgie and I do with like our kind of creative industries, like you come up with a persona yeah. of like the ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fabulous that you guys did the same thing. Fremantle is one of those places. I, I don't know if you guys have ever been here. When I moved over here, I moved over here 11 years ago now from the mm-hmm. East Coast. When I came here, I was only, I only intended to be here for about six months and then I was going to go home and I'd never, wow. never left. It's just kind of one of those places where like you walk you walk down into the main street of Fremantle and you kind of don't really need to organize anything. You just run into someone that you know. And there's this kind of thing where, you know, basically like the, the average weekend is sleep in, probably dusty from the night before, Um walk down to the beach, have a swim, you know, jump in for a swim, walk to one of the, you know, the great cafes that's nearby sort of along the strip, grab a coffee. You, you probably run into someone like a friend of yours. You know, what are you up to? I'm pretty bored. I've got nothing on. Do you want to go for a beer? It's, you know, nearly 12 o'clock. Pubs is <laughs> open. Uh, you know, and then you end up basically just like, and then next thing you know, like you've, you know, you've had lunch there. A few more friends have come along as well. Next thing it's like, oh, where should we go for dinner? Then like what, what parties on tonight we can go to? <laughs> it's just sort of this well-worn, well-worn yeah. path. Um, yeah. So it's sort of trying to fit into that. Like that was the idea of our session ale. That's what we sort of say is like, you know, you can, you can drink it all day sort of sits fits the bill of those those typical like South Fremantle days um you know we sort of say you can you can still make your dinner plans without disappointing anyone is the idea behind it (laughs) (laughs) that's great so with Fremantle is it in like pretty much the middle of bloody nowhere or is it like kind of along that beach coastline so, um, so on the beach coast, just probably 20 minutes south of like Perth CBD kind of thing. So, oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it's it's it is different. Like, this um, this everyone over here, it's south of the river. So, 
Perth's kind of divided. There's the south of the river and north of the river. So uh, and the, the and fun- clearly we don't like being north. No, nah, everything's right. Everything's good down there. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, it's, it's funny though because the, um, the river actually comes like the mouth of the river divides like Fremantle and North Fremantle. So North Fremantle's on the other side of the river. So, you know, it'll, it'll always be funny if you end up going to a mate's place in North Rio. It's like, oh man, I've crossed the river. <laughs> You've essentially just gone about five minutes down the road. It's, it's, it's on the coast. we got a couple of beautiful beaches and stuff here. Uh, it's obviously a working port, which is pretty cool, I reckon. The fact that you can sort of, you know, you come home in the afternoon, you know, you see the big big tower cranes, a big container, couple of container ships in getting unloaded, the sun setting behind it over the ocean. And it's just sort of, you know, pretty iconic imagery. And plus the sounds of the port as well. You know, it'd be late at night and you can hear hear ships in the harbour and mm. containers crashing together and, you know, it's 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 nice. It's a workers kind of town, isn't it? But yeah, it's kind of it is kind of hard to describe. Like lots of people sort of say to me, like, what's it like? And can we say it's a little bit like um like the West End in Brisbane a little bit? You know, so you've got you know, some alternative lifestyle happening, you know, like the beaches or the car park at the beach, you go down there in the morning, there's always a lot of backpackers that they're allowed to camp down there for one or two nights and not get moved on and, um, you know, and then you've got the pretty wealthy <laughs> people that don't like people making noise. So, yeah, it's just um, I think like West Andy Brisbane is a pretty good sort of example of it. Yeah. It's got really good sort of like vitality scene. Yeah. It's good food. You can just start at the su- at the southern end of the strip on South Terrace and eat your way to the end. Newcastle vibe, Georgie. Yep. Georgie's in Newcastle. You know that workers kind of town that's still yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good example. The last time I was in Newcastle was when the Pasha Bolka ran aground. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyone remembers that? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun, funny story about that it was when I was living on the Gold Coast. It was bucketing down rain. And uh, we couldn't we couldn't work because we all worked outside. So it was myself and a couple of flatmates just went that that sh- container ship just run ground. We were just sort of sitting at home and went, well, let's go down and have a look at it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so from we, the Gold Coast. All pot, all, yeah, so we all just well, we knew we weren't going to be able to work for like you know the next five or six days because it was raining and everything. And um, so we all just hopped in hopped in the car. And I remember we drove down to. Uh, the service station, like our nearest one, killed the car before we jumped on the freeway. And as we were in there, there was this crew of probably another three or four guys in a car filling it up with fuel the same beside us and had, you know, boards on the roof and everything. And we're sort of looking at each other and like, you guys go to Newcastle by any chance? And they're like, yeah, we're going to go down and have a laugh at that ship. <laughs> so, we went, so we ended up just like, they followed us down and then we ended up, we stopped somewhere down around like Kempsey or somewhere like that to refill. And we were just sitting there, two of us, like two car loads of guys. And like we'd never met these guys before, and then we were sitting there, and then there was like another car of guys in like in in a van just sitting there as well, and we we're like, "Is there any chance you guys are going to Newcastle as well?" They're like, yeah, we're heading down there. <laughs> so it was like these three carloads of guys we'd never met before. Oh we all just God. turned up in this convoy and just like walked up to like the beach, and there was hundreds of people standing there just looking at this like container ship that had run around and we were all like oh yeah cool there's the ship like now what are we yeah, going to do? Yeah was it everything you expected it to be for a five day trip? Yeah, it, was pretty, it, was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> One of the things that I'm really quite interested in is how do you guys because obviously Western Australia's got a huge foodie culture how do you guys kind of like collaborate amongst that? So we've done we've actually done quite a few events around food I guess that's one of the things that's good about sort of being in the area it's essentially a small town within a capital City. Yeah, you know, everyone always says it's like if you do something stupid, someone's going to know about it. <laughs> you know, like you'll get you'll get freeoed for sure. Um, but I get I guess that you know, like uh, we've got lots of mates that have gone and opened bars and restaurants and things like that, and then you kind of get 
by default, you just become a part of that community, I guess. I've got mates that are opening a bar on Thursday, I think, this week. Um, so we were there on Saturday night just doing sort of like practice menus and yeah, I, I guess it's just through like knowing people, you know, and you kind of just sit down and nut out ideas and everyone's always pretty open to, you know, beer, beer's becoming the new wine in terms yeah. of, you know, pairing it with food. Um, and, and in actual fact, it's a lot more versatile than than wine as well. A bit more sort of, you know, free-flowing. The events are a bit funner, a bit more looser. Um, you know, like a long table dinner where we pair up with like a hospitality venue. Five, five different beers, five different foods, sort of like, you know, matching something to each course. And you've got people that are sitting there just like, wow, I've, I've, I've never ventured beyond like just drinking a pale ale before and I've just suddenly had these range of beers and, you know, and that was a lot yeah. more enjoyable than doing a wine tasting. Um, mm. Yeah, I learned all these new things and learned these new flavors. And people have this sort of um, feel that beer is a bit of a dark art as well, I guess, because it, traditionally beer's been made in what people see, like picture driving up from Gold Coast up to Brisbane, where you drive past the CUB brewery at uh, Yatla there. It's yeah. huge. It's like bloody Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like uh, the Forex brewery yeah. in mm. Castlemaine, you know, like so it's these traditionally produced in these huge, huge factories behind closed doors. No one really sees what's going on. So one of the great things about sort of smaller craft beer is the fact that you're actually in the brewery. You can see what's going on. You know, you can be in there having a beer and brewers out running around out the back cleaning you know, cleaning fermenters and things like that. So you can sort of sit in there and have a look. So people are sort of starting to learn that there's an actual art around it and becoming a bit more open and appreciative, whereas rather than just going and just grabbing something out of the fridge, sort of trying to understand it a little bit more. Yeah. And that's what we're finding with these, like doing sort of like, yeah, food collaboration events is that people are like, oh, I had no idea, you know, I, had, I didn't know this existed or I didn't know that was how it worked or I didn't know you could do this. So it definitely opens up markets. But then it's just a really good opportunity to sort of get your story across as well. You know, you feel, you feel like you're representing the whole industry when you do that sort of stuff. Like you're not just sort of representing yourself. You're trying to educate people around coming in, supporting local and sticking up for the little guy, so to speak. <laughs> you know, don't, don't go support that multinational brand. Come in and, you know, yep. we're, we're employing four people to every one of their people to get our products out there. And, yeah. um, you know, so there's more jobs and. It's made locally. It's not traveling as far. We're sourcing local ingredients as much as we possibly can, all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's just a really good education point for people. 100%. And like even because I used to like on my gap year was work the bar scene and I worked for a small business that's primarily served like your craft beers. So, and I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's called The Welder's Dog. And they initially started up in Armadale and then they opened up a bar in Tamworth. So that's where I started with them. And then even like at the Country Music Festival, it was so cool. Like we'd have tap takeovers we had quite a few different breweries coming in doing that or like we'd have like a specific bar dedicated to them and it was and like even for me because I was not a beer drinker by any stretch of the imagination it was cool to actually find beers that I could like and weren't overly bitter and weren't yeah. bloody forex and whatnot like that so it was really cool I think one of my favorite ones was like a um it was a waste beer and it was like nearly it was just like really fruity or like oh, can't even like describe it but it was just really cool and and, you know, it wasn't your typical golden color. It was like a really dark, nearly like a raspberry color. And it's, yeah, been a really cool experience. And that, that was kind of, I guess, my gateway into slightly understanding or being exposed to that scene. And I just like, I thought it was just awesome. Well, thing, things like um, like just your fruited sours and things like that, you you know, you, you float around seasonal produce. 
you know, like what a lot of breweries will do is you just come up with your base sour recipe and then just add whatever fruits yeah, and seeds. You know, and, and that just becomes a really good gateway beer. You end up picking up, you know, a lot of people that are like, oh, I don't drink beer, I'm a wine drinker. And it's like, oh, you know, how we go with this? And it's like, you know, the sun, it'll be 40 degree day. The sun's just like setting your head on fire. And then you go and drink this beautiful refreshing uh fruited sour and it's like oh this is this is pretty good i'm into this one of the things that we always find is quite funny as well so we do an imperial stout every year we um we only release it once which we're sort of you know we're getting ready to bring it out now we try to bring it out sort of the, around the first of june and you know so it's a 8.8 9 percent um you know heavy chocolate heavy roasted malt flavors and we find that like oh, a couple of years ago we did a beer festival in perth it was in january or something like that and it was like whatever day when it was it was a 40 degree day we were trying to figure out like what beer to bring it was over the weekend it was like a ridiculous 40 degree weekend so by the time Sunday afternoon rolled around everyone just sort of walked out of their tents once all the punches were gone we all just sat down to the ground and <laughs> I just died because it was just so hot we had this one one keg left of our imperial stout that we'd brought out that year and we just sort of thought oh let's just like bring it and try and get rid of it and um it ended up being the first keg that we like blew through so we're picturing that like everyone would be just smashing through like the pale ales and the lighter beers being that it was so hot and we've blown through this nine percent imperial stout and the thing was that it was mostly women that were drinking it so they were getting dragged around this beer festival by you know their partners and everything and they'd come over and you know you'd get them a partner of beer and you'd sort of turn to them and be like oh you know do you want anything they'd be like oh no i don't drink beer and they'd just give them a taster and be like hey do you like chocolate here try this and they'd drink it and they'd go what's that it's like that's a stout they're like oh shit i didn't know that's what it tasted like <laughs> so they never even just assumed that because it was black that they weren't gonna like yeah. it and it's like yeah it's like and then they end up buying a pint of it and it's like mate that's nine percent beer like you're right and they're like yeah <laughs> come back for a second one later <laughs> and it's like oh maybe you probably don't have another one <laughs> but yeah but like then like they start coming back going like oh you, you know like i didn't i never realized i didn't know that existed mm. i didn't know that's what it tasted like because people just have a perception of like i don't know something like you you know, an old fella down at the pub just drinking an old two is old or something like that. Or, um. <laughs> I want to ask about your cans. Uh, like your your branding is very, very cool. I love what you guys have done with that. So did you guys have quite Sweet. a big, yeah, like quite a big input in that or was that something that you just handed over to your graphic designer or? So basically I did the concept for it and then just handed it over to yeah, a guy that we um, know. He's got a brand called Fly Industries. I think it is a Fly Design. So yeah, he's a fr- he's a friend of um, one of the co-founders. He's actually really big on his uh, photography and editing and everything, which is yeah, awesome. got to that point where I was like, we've got an idea in our head of what we wanted to do, and then well, I'll go I'll go through what the idea, I guess, the concept was. So yeah, um, myself and Pete, who are both uh, co-founders of the brand, are from the East Coast originally. When I decided I was going to move. Over over here the only place i'd ever heard of was Fremantle. um i didn't know anywhere in perth i've never i've never even been here before so just through circumstances i was like i'm sick of being on the gold coast i want to get as far away from it as i possibly can and still remain in the country so <laughs> perth was it <laughs> it's four and a half thousand kilometers away yeah <laughs> and so yeah when i when i moved here that was the only place i'd ever heard of and um obviously loved it never went back and then whenever I speak to anyone back home, they had sort of the same opinion. 
They'd only ever heard of Fremantle before. They didn't know where it was, how it was situated in terms of Perth, like, but they knew about it. Um, so it kind of spawned that idea that it was, you know, it's a core range product. We want it to be accessible. We want to eventually grow the brand into sort of having, you know, being available nationally. So let's create something that's, you know, a postcard of Fremantle that can be sent around the place and being that it's the only place that people have ever heard of anyway. Um, so let's use some of the sort of the iconic imagery of around the place, you know, like the, the power state the abandoned power station that's down, you know, just just south of Fremantle is a pretty iconic place. And just sort of, I don't know, I guess try to use that to tell our story or to aid in telling our story because designing something like a, a packaged product, um, the easiest way for us to get our point of view across is actually sit down and talk one-on-one with someone. But when you're putting a packaged product out there, you've got a very small canvas to be able to give to someone to try and get your story across. Um, you know, what are you about? What do you guys do? So, yeah, I guess... I guess the idea of it was literally it's just meant to be a postcard is the way we think of it. We're actually, we're currently looking at just sort of slightly redesigning all that stuff uh, at the minute. So, yeah, we'll see a few few small changes to it. No, I really like that concept of it being a postcard because, like, that's exactly right. Mm. And I think that's something that really intrigued me for design-wise and because there's so many different positions you can be in to, within that field. So it's being so broad and, like, having mm. worked in the bar, I saw the creative span of, of people and what different brands and breweries were doing for their branding of a line yep. and things like that. And that really intrigued me because it always looked so much more fun than any other, you know, your traditional lagers and things like that so I think that definitely intrigued me and it's yeah. really cool and it's seeing I guess how you come about what kind of style you're going for for your brand and the packaging around that mm. um, I think that's a really cool concept that you guys have come to did it take a while like is it a, everyone has to come to a you know a conclusion of what that look and feel is going to be or is it like they go okay you're wearing the hat Eamon so yeah. go for it <laughs> no well, one of the uh, annoying things about being five people is that there's five different ideas so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty hard to get on the same tracks but I think I think conceptually yeah so there's a couple of things that we all we all sort of agreed upon that we wanted we wanted it to be pretty clean pretty clean and simple branding we all definitely like the idea of basically assigning a color to a beer and then the biggest thing about that is the fact that with that clear uh, consistent branding of a core range is that when it's on the shelf and you got three beers side by side it actually creates a color block on the shelf for the person going into the bottle shop to buy it it's the idea is that it, you know it does draw your eye we wanted it predominantly our cans to be white again because if you go stand and look in the bottle shop fridge where you've got a thousand different beers in it when you add a lot of color the color actually tends to be a bit darker in terms of your focus so you definitely felt that like products that had like a white base stand out a little bit more it was just sort of we, we just had a few of those sort of things and then yeah once sort of the idea of yeah kind of assigning a color to each beer came about it just i don't know it just kind of came together and then well the other thing too the the way the images are done that we use it's just a, it's a photo that's just been heavily edited we wanted it to look like an old school like print plate I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen print it plates does, and newspapers yeah. used to mm-hmm. use. And that, and that was kind of, I guess, just a little bit of an ode, like a, an ode for us to sort of acknowledging the fact that Fremantle's, you know, in terms of Australia's um, history, we don't have a very long history <laughs> here in Australia, but, um, you know, just sort of acknowledging the fact that it is sort of like an old, I don't know, an old area. So, Eamon, what, what's next for South Fremantle Brewing? Just to continue to grow. We're, we're at a stage now where we need to continue our growth. And then, yeah, pushing pushing towards um, building a brewery wow. is sort of the next the next part that we're at. 
So I guess if you wanted to talk about the like the, the business aspect of it, how and why we have done it the way that we we have. So we got four, we got five five co-founders when we sat down and and had our initial like right we put a beer out yeah it seemed to do pretty well what's next like do we want to do it again and i think you guys said that you sort of you you had a look through sort of our story on our website you know about how we sort of did a launch party that we thought you know oh, if a couple of our mates turn up we'll just sit out back and drink our beer and you know and listen to djs and it'll be cool and we ended up just like so many people turned up we had to go and pinch kegs that were meant to be going on at other bars that we'd sold to them but we ended up going through i think we went through like five five we, we anticipated selling like one keg of beer like that was what we were like if we can blow a keg we'll be pretty pumped and we ended up going through five or six kegs in three hours or something and, and that was it it was all over so i remember one of our mates he was had a work function or something and he came down and got the very last pint. That was it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was about seven o'clock in the other the other. Um we were like, oh sorry, we've actually run out. That's it. So the next the next day we sort of registered the brand and then yeah, tried to figure out how we're gonna operate. The biggest hurdle for us is sales. Essentially that's what the you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sell beer. So our initial idea was we're competing against brands that have full-time sales staff. Um, yeah. Yeah, they've got guys on the road for eight, nine hours a day. If we can divide our time between the five of us that we're doing an hour, an hour and a half of sales per day, we're essentially one sales rep collectively. That was how we looked at it at the start and then realized that doing a 10-hour workday and then going and trying to do an hour and a half of sales at the end of the day Sucks. Yeah, not a vibe. <laughs> is, not a vibe. Uh, very hard to do. <laughs> nah. Yeah, we just kind of we just wanted to, to spread everything out. Pe- people can people can start brand or a beer brand and just be like a husband and wife and be you know you can do all right. And that was kind of what we looked at was like if we can just be the five of us together, be that husband and wife, <laughs> you know, like and, and put in that put in that much time, we should be able to do something with this. You know, we should be able to grow it slowly, grow it. And then the reason that we we took on sort of the gypsy brewing model that we do. Gypsy Brewing being the fact that we go and borrow other breweries was we didn't want to go and basically setting up breweries, you know, you're looking at a million dollars, you know, give or take. Um, We didn't want to go, we didn't want to go and, you know, borrow, like beg, borrow and steal that and then set something up and spend 12 months, 18 months sort of building something and then opening it. And by the time you're opening it, you're on your knees, you've got no money. And then you're trying to establish a brand. You're then going into to shop, into bars and pubs and things that have never heard of you before you know you don't exist to them so that was the biggest motivator for us is that we wanted to create something that we could kind of grow into um, until we're at a stage where we were happy that we're you know the people that enough people know about us that it's then viable for us to then build a brewery and and the idea being that we've now bringing sales staff on board that they will essentially be selling the beer while we're on the side building a brewery. So there's lots of examples of people doing the whole like gypsy brewing model of what we've done. Uh, They do a few couple of batches of beer and then they go, yeah, that went really well. We're now going to, you know, raise money somehow, whether it's, you know, from loans or directors putting money in and things like that. And then they build a brewery. But in that that time, they cease production. They don't actually make any beer in that time. It spends 12, 18 months to get something up and running. And then you're almost starting again. So we wanted to get it to a point where if we build a brewery that's, we want to build a brewery that's going to produce, you know, 300 to 400,000 litres of beer a year. By the time the doors open, we want to be at half capacity. Yeah. Like it's already, that's already been sold. Yeah. Which is what, what we're trying to what we're trying to do at the minute yeah it was two years ago before covid hit we we're pretty close to that 
And then the good thing about like our model is the fact that not having staff to pay, not having wages to pay meant that, you know, for the first sort of bit of COVID, we just basically flogged off all of our stock and just went, well, there's plenty of... um. Like, I know you don't want to sound like you're a martyr or anything like that, but we've got some pretty good mates in the beer industry that did it pretty tough during the start of COVID and yeah. had to try and reevaluate their brands and how they operated and things like that just to keep people employed. So we just kind of went, well, we don't have to pay anyone. Let's just not produce any beer and not be competing for shelf space and let these other guys who we're good mates with just help them do their thing and, you know, we'll kick it back up, like start it back up again, sort of, you know, when everything gets less stupid, thinking that it was only going to be like a month or two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so it just it was one of those things like when we sat down and spoke about it, we're like, we're in a pretty enviable position in terms of not sending ourselves bust. So let's take that. You know, we're lucky to sort of be here. So we just sort of, I wouldn't say we put it on the back burner for you know, the last two years because we've still been like our sales have still been increasing over the last two years, but just sort of the focus has just been a little bit elsewhere. And then, yeah, we're now like revisiting that again. So we've actually got a prospectus out to market at the minute. Excellent. Talking to a few people. Now I've heard though, unfortunately, logistically, it's impossible to get your beers over to the East Coast. Is that correct? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Mm. The, the Nullarbor is pretty big. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> surely it can hitch a ride somehow on the <laughs> back of a truck. Well, the heart, the heart, the heart Hardest bit's just that brand establishment. There's WA's very um, very loyal over here. Yeah. Used to be involved with sort of the music industry a little bit on the East Coast when we lived on the East Coast. And we're always very enviable of the WA music scene okay. over here. I guess what's what sort of happens over here if you look at like live music is a lot of big bands, like international bands, and then even big Australian bands don't bother touring over here. So it forces live music venues to support younger up and coming bands and give them a space to actually be front and center rather than being support acts all the time and things like that. So it develops a really strong uh, iconic music scene that's almost very sort of insular and protective of itself. And that's kind of the way that I think of beer as well. You've, you'll find the big East Coast breweries or hype brands and hype beers and things like that will get put on, but there's always, always going to be WA beers on taps everywhere here. The same thing works on the flip side. Us trying to send beer over to the East Coast is really hard to get wow. an established footing over there. You know, some of WA's biggest brands have tried, I wouldn't say failed, but it just hasn't been as successful and it's been a lot harder than what they thought it was. And then they've then had to reevaluate how they're going to do it you know, and you see some pretty, some pretty good sort of models for it, you know, ways of doing it. But yeah, it'll be, it's definitely something that we, like it is a plan of ours. It's been a very big part of our plan right from the beginning, but it's something we'll have to grow into as well. The way that we want to do it and the way that we sort of foresee it happening requires us to get a little bit bigger than what we are. Yeah. Or even like maybe some kind of like collaboration or something with a, a chef yeah. or a particular, like one particular restaurant or something like that, that might kind of just, you know, somehow slowly infiltrate the East Coast that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it is such a big market as well. Like the, you know, the craft beer market in Australia is one of the fastest growing industries. So, you know, when pe people see things like those, you know, huge sales of brands like Pirate Life and Bolter and Stonewood and hmm. um, things like that, they're just like, man, there's like so much money to be made there. But then when you think of like, you know, Stonewood uh, parent company, Fermentum, was who sold and they, they quote 1% of Australia's market share. Oh, my gosh. Which is like, wow. You think of like, you know, Stone, Stonewood's on every single tap 
in a country, basically. And one of their products, like one of the Fermentum products, so it's, you know, Fixation, Stone and Wood, uh, Two Birds. Like, you know, you think of the amount of their beer that you see around the place and the fact that they equate to 1%. That's crazy. Would never have thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think collectively, I haven't I haven't checked the figures in a while, but I've got a feeling collectively it's still like under 20% is independent wow. craft beer, wow. like in the market. So there's still obviously exponential growth there. And the way the market's, or the way that it sort of seems to be working now is things are just becoming like hyper-local. Every single town on the East Coast now has a brewery. So, but it, it is, it's obviously then very competitive uh, and hard to, you know, like I said, you support, you, you're always going to support your neighbour first before you support someone that's trying to muscle in from Definitely. the state. So we'll, we'll get there eventually. It, it is part of our plan. And I think we've, yeah, like, we've got a bit of an idea for how we, how we want to do it. Just have to check in in three or four years' time. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we'll just we have will. to go on an excursion to South Frio, Barbie. Uh, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, you just have to come to WA then. Do you think that, like, I guess the barrier to entry for a lot of that comes down to, like you were saying, it's that loyalty side of things, but it does it – do you feel like it's also been, like, I guess from my perspective with, like, being confident to try something different, it's it's kind of going off what you know or, like, you, you like I haven't tried something but I'll ask the person beside me, have you had this before? Is it any good? Okay, I'm going to go with that opinion. Or do you think it's it's yeah. really where it's all coming from and the backstory that's really actually pushing the sales? And and whatnot in that regard. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a good point. It is expensive. Like, so if you're going to be spending your money on something, you probably going to spend it on something that you know you got confidence in. But then on the flip side, like I always say, if I've you know if I've if I've lost everything and I've only got ten bucks left in my name, I'll probably go and buy it. When you guys are crafting something together, is do you find your best work is coming out of when you're like a bit half cut and you know you're a bit limbered up and a bit more open to flavour? Yeah, I don't know. So we we did a range of um, beers using native Australian ingredients. That wasn't like a conscious thing that we thought of. Which we we've actually we decided we wouldn't do bring any out this year because we felt like we brought a few out in a row and we felt like we were kind of pigeonholing ourselves a little bit like people were just waiting for the next sort of native to come out so what basically ended up happening with that was um friends of ours owned a food truck company called eat no evil and their whole sort of ethos was sort of you know seasonal locally available you know coastal sort of mexican inspired produce using a lot of sort of like Australian natives and things like that. So we did a series like years ago, we did a series of long table dinners with them in their warehouse where we did, it was five weekends, five Saturdays in a row. We'd have a different band playing in the warehouse each for each of the nights, different menu, and then we'd have sort of like different beers and stuff as well. So then we decided that we wanted to do a collab beer together and then we sort of said to everyone that was there, you know, we'll get everyone each night to sort of vote on sort of what their best beer was and whatever the the best beer was the the one that they liked to be the one that we'd bring out as a collab beer together. They ended up being like really fun nights. Probably had about nine, 80 to 90 wow. people at each one. And then, you know, once the sort of the, the dinner had finished, it just turned into like a big party in the warehouse and stuff. So so we ended up coming up with a beer that was a, it was based on a, it was a Pilsner base, uh, which we then added native uh, saltbush and Tasmanian mountain pepper or pepperberry. So we did, yeah, we did these sort of five beers that were sort of brewed to match their food. This is a bit of a flip around for what normally happens in food and beer tastings where the they make the food to sort of match your beers. We decided to make the beer to match their food but then what happened with that was because we'd sort of done these five beers we ended up just sort of going oh wow a couple of these actually work really well we thought they were going to be shit <laughs> so, so we ended up putting that um that beer out uh saltbush and pepperberry pills and i think we did that in 20 
2019 or something. It was the first time that sort of came out. Just kind of like took everyone by surprise. It was like one of those things where people would like sort of have a drink of it and then be like, oh, wow, and then just sit there for a bit and be like, no, hang on, and then drink it again. And like, oh, this is actually wow. really good. It got picked up by um podcast over in uh, Tasmania, uh, Step Brewers guys. Probably the best thing about it was that like, you know, because we're, we're pretty small, small cats in the, you know, in this grand scheme of things. And basically with their podcast is they just do everything live. So they have sort of like their beers, the, there's three or four guys sitting around, open the beer, no one's sort of seen it before. So they get to sort of discuss everything from like a, a first point of view. So anyway, they were, they were chatting away and we're like, oh, you know, who's South Fremantle Brewing and never heard of these guys and sort of trying to like read the, the shitty sort of spiel that we'd put on the back of the can that probably was a bit over the top at the time now thinking about it and it was kind of like oh come on guys give us a break you know when we were listening to it anyway they cracked the beer open and um you know had a drink of it it was just silence and it just sort of went wow that's 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 good (laughs) so like that 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 was that was a really like you know pretty cool moment yeah so then we just sort of brought a couple other ones out after that we tweaked a few recipes that we'd sort of early developed yeah those, those those sort of beers are yeah again they're quite funny yeah they can be quite divisive it's like you know you've used a native because you're trying to sort of like culturally appropriate or you know this sort of stuff and it's like man we just liked it <laughs> yeah the very the very first time is it's um here in South Fremantle along the strip there's a pub and a bar across the road from each other the local hotel and um Percy Flint who both been really good supporters of ours but next door to Percy Flint is a um, brothel which has been around forever called Ada Rose. So it's one of those funny things. Like we did when we first first like launched the brand, we did a tasting night at uh, one of the bottle shops here. There's this um, old guy standing there trying to you know drink drink beer, and there's a chat room. He's like, "Oh, where, where can I get your beer?" And I was like, "Oh, we've got a constant tap at Percy Flint, South Fremantle. You can always find it there." And he goes, "Oh, where's that? Never heard of it." And I was like, "Oh, across the road from the local hotel." And he's like, "Nah, no idea." And then I was like, "Oh, there's a restaurant on the corner called Rocco's. Like across the road from Rocco's." And he goes, "Nah." And I went next door to Ada Rose. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know the joint." <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, out the front of it, they've got all these, um, it's just basically growing in the garden out the front. It's just all these uh, saltbush shrubs. And um, so we, when we first made that saltbush and pepperberry that was going for these long table dinner nights, we're actually sitting at the pub across the road from the local local hotel. Someone realized that no one had actually, so saltbush just grows in all the sand dunes yeah. and everything here. So the idea was we were just going to go and just basically just take a few things out of the sand dunes. And um, someone realized they're like, oh shit, no one's actually gone and got the saltbush. So one of the guys just ran across the road and just ripped one of the trees out of the ground out the front of the <laughs> oh my god times are tough hey so, yeah i know yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> so that was like yeah one of those stories like oh where's you guys sort your soul push and everything from i was like well actually yeah, garden out the front of the brothel that's awesome very quickly have you ever had anything to do with paul iskoff do you know the chef he's from wa and he does all those roaming restaurants where he's you know, oh. Yeah, forever. yeah, that's Paul Iskoff. You guys should do something with him. He's um, yeah, it is one of those things that we've always said we want to try and do. We've just never been able to. Yeah, time he's yet. amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's yeah, reach yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, reach out, Paul, if you're listening. No, he's he he he's great. I know a few people that have sort of either been to his his dinners, yeah. have sort of worked with him, or had he's been in their kitchen with them and stuff. And um, yeah, he's an absolute guru. At what he yeah, does, he's amazing. Very passionate. Yeah, cool dude. Yeah, he's one of those. He's one of those people that you could just like sit down and pick his brain. I think for hours, and he'd be. Stoked. Yeah, I agree. I, I, <laughs> honestly, I reckon if you did reach out, like he would hundred percent. Yeah, mm. he's. Um, I did actually studied yeah. quite a bit of him when I was doing like a last subject at uni, and actually did a whole design yep. of a new restaurant based around his like ethos and culture and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I found yeah, out cool. a lot about him. And I actually just like talking to you. I feel that you'd have a really good kind of like moment together, and it could possibly work. So anyway. Yeah. 
Paul. Yep. Yeah, contact pretty, Damon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Let's <laughs> reach out on socials. All right. Well, I'm thinking we need to ask you our three questions that mm. we ask all our guests, Eamon. And when we say all our guests, you it. are number one. So you're the guinea pig. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the trendsetter out of this. Not just a participation award. <laughs> yeah, not just a participation award. <laughs> all right, Georgie, do you want to start with number one? 100%. Okie dokie. So what do you say to people who claim they aren't creative? One of my business partners, he um, he's an engineer and any design I show him, he's just like, yeah, mate, I got no idea. I'm an engineer. <laughs> you know, like he's just got no concept of it or no. But then at the same time, he's the one that designs most of our beers. So I think people just have this sort of inherent feeling that they aren't creative, but just kind of need to find the thing, yeah, it gives them that bit of an outlet, like regardless. You might be an engineer, but you've probably done some pretty wacky, I don't know, it's pretty wacky calculations. I don't know what engineers do. <laughs> you probably got creative. You probably bridges, got cre- don't they? Yeah, you got creative in how you, I don't know, design that bridge or something like that. So that, you know, it doesn't, creativity doesn't have to just be like, you know, painting a, a you know, something cool on canvas or you, every, everyone's got their little, I don't know, the shtick that they're good at. So cool. like wacky calculations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that. <laughs> wacky calculations for a bridge. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's probably something on there. Something there for that. <laughs> okay. All right. Question number two is: If life had no barriers, what would your career look like? Oh, damn. That's another good question. I don't know. That, that's a, that's a really hard one for me because I've never sort of defined myself as someone that had a, had a career. I've always sort of like enjoyed uh, learning something so probably just something just continue on that same path of just learning new things all the time you know like i've, I've you know started off like landscaping I've, I've been a you know as a stonemason i've worked in the mining industries uh, extracting uranium from all samples um you know now working sort of hospitals so yeah, i get i guess sort of um i take enjoyment from learning new skills so probably just something where i get the opportunity to learn something from scratch I don't know, I wouldn't say master it, but get to a point where I'm okay at it. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, I don't know, line taming. <laughs> Working in a zoo with giraffes or something, I don't know. So I just, I just want to learn something new to a lion tamer working with giraffes. Georgie, last question. Final question for you is what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? Oh, stay in school. <laughs> really? No, nah, nah, actually, no, probably not. Um, probably don't be too tied up in what it is that you want to achieve, I guess. It's probably something like that. Um, threw something in there about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm 30, 38 years old, and I still don't really know what I want to do. So, that, yeah, probably, pretty don't. But then again, I didn't take school too seriously, so I don't know. Probably, I wouldn't say like be more respectful because I was a pretty vocal person at school. If you talked to anyone you went to school with, it was always like, oh, you're the loudest, for sure. Maybe just keep my mouth shut a little bit more. Probably, <laughs> probably would be some good advice. Keep your mouth shut. Don't put too much pressure on yourself, and uh, don't stress about needing to define yourself about you know, what you want to do for the rest of your life you can always change so lastly where if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about obviously south Fremantle brewery how do they do that what's the best way to do Just that slide into our dms that's the best way south Fremantle brewing on instagram facebook all one word excellent and is there is there anyone that you want to shout out to I'm trying to think of some of the east coast just head to the brothel yeah. <laughs> that's where we'll find it no so <laughs> Probably just the... It doesn't have to be on the East Coast. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was no, like, East Coast because I want to find yeah. it. <laughs> no, probably um, just the whole industry as a whole. Um, that's probably been the thing that we've figured is something that was really unexpected for us actually is just how supportive the industry is and how much everyone sort of champions each other. 
Um, I guess at the end of the day, the, we're all competitors, but if competitive, if a brand that you love and respect are doing well, it only bodes well for the industry as well. Legitimately, like I hate to be like soppy and stuff about it, but that's been the thing that sort of, um, yeah, when we, when we came into it, like we obviously came in, never worked in the industry before. And that was the thing that's sort of taken us back the most is, you know, messages of support just sort of the inclusiveness of it. I remember one of the very first um, sort of things that did over here in terms of like getting involved in the industry. We got invited along. It was probably about four or five months after we sort of established the brand. Got invited along to the West Australian Brewers Association AGM meeting and rocked up to the AGM Walked into this meeting and then I looked around and there's like, you know, absolute like legends of not even the beer in, you know, WA, but beer in, you know, Australia. So like, you know, Ken Arrowsmith, who was head brewer at Swan Brewery for, for years, Brendan Varis, who was founder of Feral Brewing Co., you know, people like Aaron Heary, who's the CFO of Gage Roads. And then there was us just sitting there, you know, and like, but then, you, you know, you kind of like right from the start, although we we're just sort of like a small crew of idiots that didn't know what we were doing or whatever, you still sort of felt like you had a, you know, a voice and a... Had a place at the table. Yeah, 100%, a place at the table. Yeah, so that, that's kind of been one of those things that's been, yeah, very supportive. So if we get a shout it out, just shout out the whole industry because it is a great industry to be a part of. Well, thank you for talking with us today. It's been so interesting. It's been really fun too. Yeah, that's sweet. It's been good. Enjoy it. Any any opportunity to just chat shit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That's, that's us too. Yeah. And I'm really sorry, but I have to do this. Mm. This is one thing that we have to do. I need to ask you, Eamon, can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. For now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers. Bye.